wonderful presentation this morning. Amen. I hope you are as blessed as I was to, to hear that this morning as we worship the Lord through song, through narration. I want to thank Dr. Curry and the music team, the orchestra, the readers, uh, choir, everybody involved, using their gifts to worship the Lord this morning. What a, what a wonderful time. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today. Father, we thank you for the fact that we have folks in our church who want to serve you, Father using the gifts that you've given them to worship you, Father. We praise you for them this morning. We thank you for them, for sharing the good news of Christmas, for for working us through that whole story, Father, reminding us why we're here and why we celebrate this, this season. It's all because of you. Father, I pray that right now as we take a few moments and look at your word, Father, that you... Speak through me. I pray that my lips are your lips. My heart is your heart, Father. And that we are not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of it as well. I ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, again, I want to welcome you all to Christ Church. My name is Jared Ott. I'm the associate pastor here. And if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we've been in a, a series called All I Want for Christmas. Two weeks ago, we looked at joy. Last week, we looked at peace. This week, we look at hope. And really, the songs that we just sang really reflect all those things, the joy and the peace, the hope that we have. We read from our passage this morning in Luke 2. If you have your service sheets, it's there. I encourage you to turn your Bibles if you have them as well. But we, we looked at the story of the shepherds. And really, the hope that the shepherds had the passage that we, that we read and the song we just sang, the first Noel, really reflects the hope that we have at Christmas. That's what we should desire. The first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, Noel, Noel. Born is the king. Hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born. It's amazing what we can learn from from various folks about life through Christmas. Especially as we look at the shepherds. It's amazing what we can learn. It's interesting, the shepherds are really one of the main characters of the story. I always thought about that. that That's kind of odd. That the good news came to the most unlikely group of people. Changed history. It would be similar today where a big announcement happened and the first person that heard about it was a, a farmer in a remote area. Now that's not to say that farmers are unimportant or unappreciated. On the other hand, shepherds in biblical times were very much looked at differently. They were at the bottom of the social ladder. They were uneducated, unskilled, increasingly viewed in the New Testament as dishonest, unreliable, unsavory characters, so much so that they weren't even allowed to testify in court. The news came to the shepherds. The good news. And because sheep had to be cared for seven days a week, shepherds were also unable to fully comply with the man-made Sabbath regulations developed by the Pharisees. As a result, they were viewed in continual violation of the law and ceremonial unclean. They were, in a sense, an outcast, 
unloved. But they received the news first, the good news, the hope that came. They were humble people, and certainly not ones that we would expect to hear the good news first. But God's choice of shepherds to receive the announcements really fits with the Old Testament prophecy. As we see in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives and release darkness from the prisoners. You see, throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout his whole life as he grows up, his ministry wasn't to the self-righteous, the self-sufficient the wealthy, the religious leaders. That's why he's criticized in Mark 2 for, for eating dinner with the tax collectors. And what does he say? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus' ministry constantly sought out the poor, the lowly, the outcast, the afflicted, like the shepherds. Giving them hope beyond something, beyond their circumstances. That's why it's so fitting that the shepherds heard the the story first. Notice not only did the news to the shepherds bring hope to them because of who they were, but also because it was in the timing. Because it was in the timing. You see, throughout the scriptures, God's glorious presence manifested itself to people. We saw that in the Garden of Eden. We saw that in the wilderness with the Israelites. Then we saw that at the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings. But that was the last time this light ever shone. So for centuries after sin and rebellion, God's, God's glorious light left the temple, symbolizing its withdrawal from Israel. It would not appear again till this very night. The light in the darkness. Finally, for the shepherds, there was a glimmer of hope. After centuries, there was a glimmer of hope. Being outcast, being unloved, being looked down upon. Some of you in here, maybe, you, maybe you've been going through some tough times in your life. Maybe it's not centuries, but maybe it's weeks. Maybe it's months. Maybe it's years. And you're looking for that glimmer of hope, that light in the darkness. I want to encourage you this morning. That's what the shepherds heard. Maybe you've gone from one hardship to another in your life. And you're here. Someone invited you to church today to come to this presentation. And you're looking for that hope. Let me tell you, the hope is there. The hope's in the good news. It says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid to bring good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. What's the good news? The good news is that Christ came to save us from our sins. It's not of judgment, but rather of love. It's a Savior to save us from our sins, not to to rescue us from our unfilled marriages or our jobs or our families or our bad habits. While there's relief in many of those areas, that's really the byproduct of the good news. Man's true problem is our results in the issues and symptoms of sin. That's why Romans 3.10 says, as it's written, there's none righteous, not even one. And then Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, everyone's guilty of God's holy law and eternal punishment in hell. Christ came to be born in a manger, to grow up and to die, and to rescue us from that. That's the hope. That's where the hope is. 
And as a byproduct of that, that changes the, our situation. But that's not the primary intent. You look at the shepherds. Notice the shepherds. When they, probably, when they went to the manger, they had to take their sheep with them. After they left the manger, they were still shepherds. They were still looked down upon. They were still outcasts of society. The sheep still smelled like sheep. They still returned. But I bet you they returned totally different with a life that's changed because of the new hope that they had. See, many people in church will will leave church and go back to terrible jobs. They'll go back to failed marriages, failed families. And at Christmas time, I've talked to so many people who get so frustrated because God hasn't changed their circumstances that they give up altogether. They say, what hope is there? And I say, your hope is misplaced. The hope we have is that Christ died for us and saved us from our sins so we can spend eternity with him. That's where the hope is. He died for us. Spend eternity with him after we die so we can look at something beyond ourselves like the shepherds did. That's why C.S. Lewis says hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that it's a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking in life. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It doesn't mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Many of us are looking for hope. We have little joy in life. We have little peace in our life. We have little direction. We feel like we have no purpose. And let me tell you this morning, there is hope. God sent his son to be born in a manger. So we look at our verse. It says in verse 15, When the angel left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This response illustrates two things in a person coming to Christ and accepting his work. First, they heard the revelation. And then they believed in it. I tell you this morning, if you've never heard that Christ is the Savior and came to die for you, that that is the message. Hear me telling you that this morning. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. They heard and they believed. And then what do they do? It says they hurried off. They didn't wait. They didn't go slowly. They hurried off. Those who truly believe in Christ accept him and move. It's interesting. What if it just aroused their curiosity if they said, wow, that was interesting. Huh, that was kind of odd, wasn't it? No, they went. They moved. Many people at Christmas time, it arouses curiosity, doesn't it? Christmas. What is this Christmas all about? That's why churches are flooded with more folks at Christmas time, because it arouses curiosity. But rarely commitments are ever made. For the shepherds, they moved, they went, they heard, they believed, they went. That's why Thomas Fuller says hope is one of those principal springs that keeps mankind in motion. In motion. 
The shepherds seeking out Mary and Joseph was the next step in the salvation process. The shepherds were burdened with being an outcast of society, and they felt that glimmer of hope, and so they went. They went to Christ. Matthew 11, one of my favorite passages, says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we talk about this Christmas season, all I want for Christmas is hope. As a pastor, the only thing I would desire for you for this Christmas season is for you to have that hope too. For you to have that hope, to come to him. To come to him. Not misplacing your hope in the wrong things. Understanding your hope really lies in the fact that he came and died for you. That's where I'd want your hope to be. After hearing that message, my question for you, after hearing everything that we sang this morning, after hearing the narration of the Christmas story, understanding what it's truly meant, my question is, will it just arouse your curiosity? Or will you actually move based on that? I would want nothing more as a pastor than that. It's simple as recognizing that we have sinned. There's nothing we can do on our own. As we already read, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The good news comes in verse 24. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes from Christ Jesus. We're justified freely. We're justified freely. All we need to do is confess that we have sinned, believe that He died for us, put our faith and trust and hope in Him. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's all it takes, folks. I can't promise that you're going to leave here and your situation will change, that you'll get a new job tomorrow, that your marriages will come back in order, that your finances will be fixed. But I can say that you'll leave here changed as the shepherds did because you have a newfound hope and you can look at something beyond yourself, beyond your circumstances as the shepherds did. It's amazing what we can learn from, from people in the Christmas story. It's amazing what we can learn from the shepherds about life. It's amazing what we can learn from a seven-year-old child. The song, Light of Jesus, Shine Forever. She says, the Father sent his light to shine within the dark, she sang. He sent his only son to live within my heart. Powerful words from the voice of a seven-year-old child. My hope and prayer for you this morning is that you hear the good news that he came to die for you and there is hope in that and we can put our faith and trust in him. So my question for you is when you hear that are you just aroused by curiosity or will you move based on it like the shepherds? To live within your heart I want to give you the opportunity to do that as you leave this morning, before you leave here, not just to hear the word, but to be moved based on that.
So while I pray, I want to give you the opportunity to do that in the silence of your own hearts. I'm going to pray. It's a very simple prayer. It's about confessing your own sin to Christ and asking him to be the Lord of your life. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing that we would want as a church, as a pastor more, for you to hear that hope and move based on that. It's good news, and we can find joy and peace in that. So will you pray with me? Father God, right now, Father, I thank you so much for what we heard this morning, for the music that was sang, Father. Father, and I thank you so much for what we can hear from your word. Father, the fact that you did send your son, and that is good news, to save us from our sins, because we are separated from you, Father, and we need to restore that relationship. So, Father, thank you for that. Thank you for the people in this room, Father, that are here, maybe even for the first time, who have never placed their faith and trust in you and are separated from you, Father. I pray that they not only hear the hope, but they are moved because of it, Father. And church, as we continue in an attitude of prayer, if, if you're that person who has never given their lives over to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. It's very simple. In the silence of your own hearts, just pray the prayer after I pray it. It's not to me. It's to God. And he hears you. Begin by saying, Father, I understand that I am a sinner. And that my sin has separated me from you. Father, I understand that you died for me. To save me from my sins so that I can spend eternity with you and have a relationship with you. Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. Father, I ask that you forgive my sins. Thank you for forgiving me, Father. I ask that you come into my life and be the Lord of my life as I do trust you. I ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. And Father, we thank you so much, Father. We rejoice right now for those that maybe gave their lives over to you for the first time. Maybe there are those who had heard you before, Father, and recommitting our lives to you, Father. I praise you for them right now, Father, for not just arousing their curiosity, but making the move, Father, to come to you, Father. I pray that they continue to look through you throughout their life, Father. Father, thank you for that. I praise you for that. For those folks that now have a, a newfound hope in you, give them joy. Give them peace, Father. I ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.